Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Stephen Jones of Kaba Homes. They are located in Anderson, South Carolina, and their mission is to serve their clients with integrity and provide the most stress-free experience possible. Now for my conversation with Stephen Jones. Hey, Stephen. Welcome. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you and I'm excited to dive in here. But first, just give us the rundown. Who are you? What's the company? Where are you guys located? Gotcha. Yeah, my name is Stephen Jones. We are in upstate South Carolina. So we're specifically in the Anderson area, right below right below the Greenville market. A lot more people are familiar with that. Right on. We do the company's Kaba Homes and we kind of focus on now new construction and probably bigger scale renovations. Kind of cool. world that we live in now. And did you start the company? And I guess how did it all how did it all begin? <laughs> yeah. So I did. The very beginnings were, I guess I got interested back when I was 16. So the school that to my high school, they had a construction program, kind of like shop class, really. Second year in high school, the the school did a program where we built a house, a little two-bedroom house from the ground up. The shop teacher was a licensed builder. That's awesome. Um, they don't have they don't have those classes anymore. <laughs> they don't, man. And tracing it all the way back to that is where it piqued my interest. And I kind of chased the trades for quite a while up until I realized I knew nothing about business. I was learning all the the work side of it. So I ended up leaving to go try to learn more about business. I spent about 10, 11 years at Best Buy, mostly in management with them, trying to learn the business side and then coming back over to construction and shortly after started this company. Spending, I guess I'm about eight years in now. feel like we're just starting to get our hands around this thing to feel like we somewhat know what we're doing, <laughs> but we're making some good progress and, and doing some really cool stuff. That's cool. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like a lot of us as entrepreneurs, you like get going and you're like, okay, I'm going to start here. And then in three years, like we'll have double, triple, like we'll be here. And then you get in, you're like, oh, <laughs> it didn't quite go that way, but well, we're making progress, you know? So <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I've heard it called like the paradox of progress, where mm. it's just when we started, I thought I knew a lot more. And I've spent eight years realizing the more that I know, the more knowledge that I gain, the more I see that I need to learn. So it feels almost like regression, yep. but it's it's <laughs> the opposite. And it's been yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We're learning every day. That's cool. Yeah. So maybe maybe talk about that first year or two. You know, were were you guys focused on certain projects back then, or was it just like whatever we can get our hands on, or how did that go? Yeah, more of that. We started out when we started out of the gate. It was mostly me, and then it was bringing on a couple helpers, and it was 
you know, us, a truck and a trailer and tools that evolved into after a couple of years, we brought on, brought on a guy to head up like the handyman division of the company. So we created a piece of the business that was focused on small jobs, handyman type work. I kept my attention on the renovation side of the business. And it went well. We learned a lot. We grew some of the renovations. One of probably the biggest things that I learned through that season is we were kind of everything to everybody. We would mm-hmm. do everything from jobs that were a couple hundred dollars to there'd be a, a new home in there, kind of mixed in with all that stuff. And we were <laughs> one we stop shop, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. A lot of that for us was trying to figure out. I mean, honestly, who we were, where did we want to live? What were we good at? What weren't we good at? And through that, some of the tough learning experiences for me was just realizing that I was putting a lot of people in place before we had real processes, Mm. um, real job descriptions. And we were kind of shooting from the hip in a lot of cases. And we sort of grew and evolved into this company. Honestly, that was everything to everybody. It was hard to look internally and figure out really who we were. So we had kind of got no place where it was just like, man, I don't really know exactly who we serve well. So that kind of forced us to about two years ago, sort of restructure, almost kind of hit a big reset button. We kept one of the guys that had a lot of potential. He took on a role with us as a project manager over the renovations, which let me move into the new construction space and go kind of explore that and make it a core part of our business. Over the years, we've kind of the last two years, we focused on a lot of bring, bringing designs in-house, working on processes to better lead people through the bigger, more complex projects. We've just kind of realized that's where our value is I and mean, where we try to kind of lead and shepherd people now. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm curious, why did you decide to go that route towards like large-scale renovations and the you know new builds versus like more of the handyman route? Because I feel like in that pivot, you could have gone a number of different directions. What did that decision-making kind of thought process look like? Yeah, honestly, a lot of it at the time, if we had better systems in place, it might've gone the opposite direction. Mm, At that moment, the small jobs was, there was a lot more management involved. So one of the worlds we fell into that we didn't really intend on was we were doing a lot of like real estate repairs and had kind of gotten wrapped up in that world. And not that that's a bad thing. It was just that there's a lot of timelines, a lot of just demands that you've got to meet there. And that can be tough in and of itself. But the the big thing for us is the people, um, the vans, the equipment, the tools, everything that we needed. It was very management heavy. We just weren't set up well to do that. That was one of the biggest pieces that we were missing. So that was the biggest contributor at the time of letting that go. Being able to kind of clear our plate really and give us the time to sort of regroup and figure out what does it mean or what do we think it means for us to to serve people well. Yeah, so yeah that, that's, cool. that's really the heart of that decision. Yeah. I'm also curious too, like if you kind of broke your journey into the, like the first six years of kind of like figuring things out and taking on lots of jobs. And then the last couple where you said, Hey, this is where we serve really well. Did you see an inflection point in revenue in like customer happiness in like fill in the blank, but what were the biggest like wins or changes you saw once you like said, yep, we're drawing the line in the sand. Like this is the direction we're going. Yeah. Yeah. So the first gosh, probably five, six years was just 
that everything everybody i think we did every everything kind of mediocre hmm. the last couple of years as we shed just the bandwidth of everything that we were doing and honed it into a sort of a, a niche in the market at least identifying a piece of the construction world that we wanted to live in that gave us the margin to get better where we were so we were able to gain and honestly we're we're just now really i feel like understanding what that looks like because we we did a lot of things well but we're probably over the last two years the biggest thing that i think i've learned is at least on the customer side is people need to be led in our Mm -hmm. in this industry there's a lot of people that if if we're not leading them it's easy for them to just kind of take the roads that they think they need to take to get to a successful completion of a job kind of what we learned is everybody has their own path to get there. If we let them, they'll take it. And it's all with good <laughs> intent, but it's our job to create a path and teach them that we've we've walked this path before and kind of show them that this journey is what helps get them to a place where the job is successful as far as staying on budget, being able to control quality, trying to stay within the schedules that we had allotted for the job. So this whole idea of both doing the jobs that we live in or the jobs that we we do as, as part of the industry, but then trying to figure out almost simultaneously on a secondary road, how do we communicate? How do we lead? How do we do all of these other things that clients want? Because the job finishing and finishing well is almost a just an expectation of all the clients, whether they say it directly or not, when they hire a contractor, they just assume that, I'm going to get a good job and it's going to be quality work, but it's all the other things that we're trying to pay attention to now, how well we communicate and lead them through the thousand selection items. Sometimes it feels like they have. So that's where we're, that's kind of what, what we're honing in on now and figuring out how to just continue to get better there. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, when you look at that end of the spectrum of this industry, Versus like a handyman repair, like that one is very much just about like, I just need the thing complete and quickly. And, you know, versus like where you're living, it's like, it's actually about the whole process and the experience and the outcome. And the outcome is important and critical, but so is the, you know, 
three months, six months, a year, two years, whatever the length of the project is that, you know, that goes into it. So, yeah, I think that's, it's cool to hear you vocalize that, like focusing on leading the client and taking charge and kind of versus, you know, whereas I feel like it it tends to be reversed on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. I tell you, for me, one of the things that as I started this company, it was always with the mindset of, and you hear a lot of people say it, you know, contractors by and large kind of get a bad rap. One of the things that I learned is most people in this industry, most contractors are people pleasers. Mm -hmm. And we made the same mistakes that you hear a lot of people make, which is primarily the root cause is not saying no well enough. So as people pleasers, we assume that the best way to serve people is just to do what they want. And those are, and we've made those mistakes and that that's what taught us by giving them what they want. Kind of, they tend to lead us into sometimes a place that's just not a great outcome. They just don't know that they're leading us there. So we're, those are some of those aha moments where, you know, we need to be intentional about where we take them. Yeah. Yeah. I like to call those the real world MBA moments where you're paying for mistakes that you're making, you know, (laughs) but they're they're valuable, you know, and if you look at them that way, it's like, yeah, it's education, right? (laughs) So curious, just like thinking about, you know, your journey as a business owner and entrepreneur, like you obviously worked, you know, in the trades, went off and did some management stuff. And then you said, okay, I'm starting my own thing. What do you think has been just the toughest part about being an entrepreneur and running a business because it's it's unlike any other profession. Yes. Yeah. Probably all the things that you don't think that you have to do that you find out once you start the journey that you have to do. <laughs> so working in a big company, I was responsible for a piece of the business. And you've got typically a team of people around you. So if you drop a ball, somebody's usually around to pick it up. When you start your own business and as an entrepreneur, that kind of goes away. If you drop a ball, it's just dropped until you pick it back up. So uh, probably the hardest thing is understanding all of the things that it really takes to make even a small business run and run well. Doing that on my own for a lot of years, I'm starting to understand the value now in trying to reach out to people around me. We're starting to outsource bookkeeping, for instance. We brought on the beginning of the year a a business coach is really helping us just identify the blind spots and those where we're trying to lead the clients. They're really an instrumental role in helping us understand what does the journey look like, what should it look like, and helping us build collateral and guides to to give to people. I just that some of the biggest lessons are understanding the workload, trying to do it all on my own, and then now engaging with some other people and just seeing how helpful it is to get a good team of people around you that even aren't necessarily direct employees. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. And thinking about kind of where you guys are now and how you're positioned, what do you think like makes you unique or separates you kind of like in your local market when you look at like you guys versus competitors, I guess you would say? That's a good question. In our market, there's, uh, which is funny. So we're, we're right down the road from Greenville. It's 30 minutes away from us. It's amazing how different that market is compared to Anderson. They seem to, they've done a great job of sort of setting a bar around quality of work and professionalism. I spent some time with some guys over there, some builders now that I got involved with through the Home Builders Association 
in there, which led me to get involved here and be on the board and, and vice president for this one. Seeing how impactful that is, we are here trying to bring the systems and the guides to create more of a seamless process or at least a repeatable experience for clients. There's a lot of good builders in our area. There's a lot of guys that care a lot. There's a lot of people that have repeatable systems. And that's what we're trying to build that it will be a little bit different from what other people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like over over the the years, the journey, there's always like a wacky client story or a weird project or something like that. Anything coming to mind that was a little bit a little bit different? Man, I'm trying to think if there's anything out there that's just wild or crazy. Not anything that's just unbelievably wild. More learning experiences. Yeah. More just stuff where, you know, great clients where by the end of the projects, they're just not the relationships or the experience isn't quite what you wanted. And they always start off great. Yeah. And you realize <laughs> oh, kind of by the end of it, the frustration <laughs> builds a little bit. And but that's been some of the look in the mirror for us and realizing like, well, well where did we fail and, and what do we need to get better at? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, nothing just absolutely wild and crazy. Hopefully I don't have any of those either. Hey, you know, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Well then how about maybe like a favorite project or something that was unique or different? We're wrapping up one now that the client they purchased a, a house. It was existing a whole home renovation that we did. And the house was really neat. The renovation, just we were able to do some pretty cool stuff with it. And that client, they run about 13 acres and a lake and an old barn. He decided to take the barn and turn it into kind of a man cave. So we took what nice. was just a an old barn on the property. And it's going to be kind of a real neat man cave. He's a big hunter. So we took out like the second level loft. And just, it's now 18 foot ceilings and he's going to hang all of his trophy mounts all over the walls and kitchen sound system, big screen, all the, just, it's a really cool project to take kind of this old barn and turn it into. That is cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely unique project. Yeah. Well, you definitely got to get, get some pro photos and put that in the portfolio. Cause that sounds like a good yeah. one. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, what do you think the future of the business looks like? You know, that you guys are a couple of years into the the big pivot. I'll call it that. Maybe yeah. you call it something different, but like, what's the next three to five years look like? Where are you going? There's a couple of things that we're trying to really figure out. So one being for us, it's, it's honing in on the systems and the collateral. I'm getting to a place where we can have visually all the tools that we need to lead people through projects just to make it again, the, the experience better, but repeatable. We want to hone that in more than more than anything else. We're looking at a couple of things on kind of internally, things like how do we lead our subs better? You know, there's if we really be intentional about what do we do on our side of the table that helps serve them that would make the subcontractors rely or i guess what would make them want to work with us because we we rely on them to complete our our jobs and we view them as part of the team so just trying to explore that question of what does it look like if we interact with them as if we view them as part of our team yeah yeah and that's cool that way so there's a lot of things over the next couple of years is not necessarily crazy growth initiatives as far as numbers. It's more about maximizing our profits and 
putting the tools in place to be consistent with what we're doing today. And then once we get there, we'll look at, we'll look at seeing what, what growth opportunities exist. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, if you're not making profit, then it's just a lot of work for nothing. So I'm always a proponent of focusing on that. A couple of questions, Stephen, to wrap us up. One, you know, it's been a wild two years for the industry. You know, we thought everything was going to zero and then it was like, boom, you know, we shot out of a rocket ship and, you know, generally everyone's been pretty busy. Uh, yeah. It's not a hundred percent across the board, but, but pretty much so, but it's, you know, shown us some other problems and issues that we have that we're dealing with. What do you think are like the top one or two that as an industry, we need to be thinking about and, and really working to solve and not just talk about Sure. I know, and, and maybe it's just a, a conversation that we're having internally now, but almost a back to basics mm. kind of thing. For me, one of the things that feels like is happening is that the last couple of years is a great excuse to maybe not deliver or push yourself to be better, almost from suppliers to subcontractors and even all the clients. Whenever you talk about the current market conditions, there's a lot of grace from people right now, uh, which is great. My fear is that we're letting that settle in to complacency and we're losing sight of just basic communication, returning phone calls, just the, the almost basic customer service skills that kind of have fallen below status quo kind of level. So I really think it's going to be, especially if we see a little bit of a, a downturn, nobody in our industry wants that. At some level, it feels like it's almost necessary to kind of reground this and sort of reset the bar for just level of service period. Yeah. I think that's a great framing of it because you voiced you know, what many have in, in terms of the problem, but I like how you talked about that in the back to basics. Like we don't want the bar to drop on the standard, you know, because that's already a challenge with the industry is like the chucking a truck and all that kind of stuff. And it's like part of when you're running a professional shop, like what you're trying to do is raise the bar. We don't want to drop it back down. So I, I like how you phrased that. Steven, just one, one question to wrap us up, I guess, what piece of advice or final words of wisdom would you want to leave everyone with other remodelers like yourself? One of the things that I'm, I'm learning now as well is the value of outsourcing. And I know I talked a little bit about the bookkeepers and the business coach. One of the things that's been really interesting to kind of unpack with some of these people that we're able to kind of position ourselves or partner ourselves with is when we made the decision so that it would give us the ability to scale up or down as necessary. That was the original intent. As we start to engage with some of the people that are outsourced and not direct employees, what we're finding is that the right people, they started their businesses because of a passion that they've got. And when you find the right ones, they they bring that passion to kind of you and being part of your team. So when you find the right people, they're already passionate about what they're doing. It's just being intentional about pulling that out of them and bringing that into your culture as opposed to direct employees where a lot of times you have to build the passion in them. So it's been really neat to find some people that are passionate already um, and just position yourselves with them and find the ones that are right fit for you and kind of the amount of energy and collaboration that you get out of those people that aren't necessarily direct employees. I like that. Yeah. I think that's that's really good advice. And Stephen, thanks so much for joining me today and sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. Spencer, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. 
Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.